Dead Bodies is not for the squeamish and is intended for mature audiences. Um, we're on. Did I tell you I watched Parasite? I did. Yes. I was just I'm just trying to sound current and up with things. <laughs> I haven't what have I watched? Have you watched Jim Carrey in although I've only watched the I really love Ramsey's Kitchen Nightmares. Oh how good I is Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares? I love Ramsey's <laughs> Kitchen Nightmares. I don't like him. I, I'm what the fuck is mine. that? Yeah. You haven't fucking cleaned your kitchen and fucking... It's a mess. Like, I it's just, so good. I love it. I love it when he goes off. I love it when he goes into a fridge and he comes out with some... Something rank. Something, something rank. He comes out with a pot from 1972 and he wretches it up and he puts it in their face and says, do you serve a customer out of this? And he's fucking throwing shit everywhere. Nico knows if he's scrolling through channels and he sees it, he just stops and puts the remote down because he How knows. How do people work under that pressure though? Like oh. I know I wouldn't want to work with someone like that. And I always Google the restaurants afterwards to oh. see if they're still open. Are they usually? Sometimes. Hmm. I love Ramsey. Hmm. I'm not so sure. Oh. Mm. Okay, we'll do a story then? Okay. Okay. This is a story about a man called Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. Do you know him? Yeah, I was working in the newsroom when this happened. This is the worst, but I'm here for it. Okay. Tell it me is the, the story. worst. It is horrible. Right. This, I really need to start this with a warning. As though perhaps we might not have I known. I know, and I know the podcast you know. already has a warning Here's a little before story. we get to this part, but this is really bad. Like, I yep. got tired of writing about how many people he'd killed. Yeah, sometimes it's, it's too I've much. I've had to it? gloss yeah. over a couple of them because I felt like I was repeating myself quite a lot as well, but he was just. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, so. And he was one of those ones that you didn't look like what he was, if you know what I mean. No. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to call, refer to him as Dharma mm-hmm. throughout this. Uh, he was born in 1960. <laughs> what an unusual idea to use his actual name. <laughs> what do you want to call him? I No, I no, he doesn't get a nickname. No, no he doesn't. No, you only get no. a nickname if you are... Like, well, so a dear friend of mine who died, Danny Frawley, he was the captain at Secure, and he used to make it his life's work to make sure that everybody had a nickname. Okay. And sometimes people just don't lend themselves to a good nickname. No. Sometimes they were so wide of the mark. There was a guy called Christian Bardsley who played for St Kilda, and Danny called him uh, Pauper's Head. And what? it just, I know. <laughs> It was just the worst work he ever did in the in the nickname department. It was terrible. What's your nickname? Uh, well, it's Dee Dee is a nickname, really. Yeah. I don't right. have one. Mm. I don't have one. No, Best? you don't. See, that's no, the problem. Some people have don't one. have one. We can't, inc- you know, you, yeah. it ha- it's got to just happen. It's natural. Yeah. Yep. Cursed? Yeah, I get Kiki. Oh, yeah, you have yeah, Kiki. Kiki. And Kiki. I love that. That's cute. Yeah, Kiki's mm. nice. Kiki. Um, okay. Well, Jeffrey Dahmer mm-hmm. was born and raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. He was born in 1960. In his early years, he was an outcast from school and his peers thought he was odd because he would sneak hard liquor into the school grounds and he would drink. Um, and when a classmate asked him why he was doing this, he said, it's my medicine. Oh. I don't know if he said it like that, but that's how I imagine he said it. Anyway, despite all of his odd behaviour, he was thought of as intelligent. He did well in school. He played tennis and he had a stint in the school band. 
wonder what he played. Percussion. That's always the nongs. Always get like ding ding on a triangle. <laughs> yeah, that's all they did in the in the whole song. They just every fourth note. And he, later in his teens, he discovered he was gay. He didn't tell anyone about this, not even his parents. Uh, and he had he worked out that and I need to. I'm going to start again. Just because you were gay does not mean that you have dark fantasies or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, he worked out that he had these really sick fantasies and they included dominating subdued partners. Oh. He likes dead people. Oh, uh, dead. Doesn't, no, I was going to say if it's... If, he yeah. doesn't like them moving. Oh, dominating yeah. subdued mm. partners. I thought you meant just like, you know, like to be the dominant one. That's not unusual. No, but... he doesn't want them to move Ooh. at all. Yeah, no, that's... Not... Hello, take your clothes off, do not participate. Yeah. That's his thing. Yeah, yeah. No, not so good. when he was 16, his fantasy was in full flight and he hatched a plan. He had his eyes on a, partic- a particular jogger. I'm doing this a lot lately. I What's just, that? every 20th word I'm not getting out. I'm doing it a lot on live television and it's very unfortunate. I'm just waiting. Every live cross I do, I go to say a word and it only half comes out. It's the next. No, I'm talking in small bits. Oh, I thought it would be the next one. I don't know why. And every live cross I do, straight after it, I go, fuck it. Done it again. I've been doing it too, and Kirsten's been very politely not because she produces my radio show. Yeah. She doesn't pick me up on it. But oh. I, we all know it happened, and we all just pretend <laughs> we go on as though it didn't happen, but we all know it did. I did the wrong inflection of can the other day. I said, can. I said something weird. And anyway, I was annoyed. Except, <laughs> and Kirsten, I authorise you to smack. So we've got this lovely panel operator called Richard, who, if I say anything stupid on air, which is quite frequent, he gathers the audio up. Spits oh. it back at me on air, so I hear my own faults come back at me every <laughs> yeah. single day. Can you stop him from doing that? Because I'll, I'll have a word. On the back of the head or something. You had a good, good one though. Yeah. You did um, like we're giving away money, and instead of jackpot, I think you said jackport. Yes, you are. <laughs> things jackport. like that. That's what I said. Can yeah, it just comes out weird when you're talking mm-hmm. all the time. It just comes out weird. P.S. I'm really jealous that you get to give away money on your radio show. I love giving away money so, so much. It's so I would good. love to do it. I know. We don't have any money to give away on this podcast because we don't make any money no. out of this. But I oh. would love to give away money. It's the best feeling. What yeah. about the first day I gave it away? It was like 4500 mm-hmm. something like 4000 oh. And it was a man who was so ill, like a disabled pensioner who could barely speak. And then he started to cry. (gasps) And I'm like, you know, tears are stinging my eyes. And then he says he's going to give it to his grandchildren. It's like, oh oh my God, I can't love this anymore. Dee Dee's radio program, the, the way the money competition works is they have to answer the phone and say a certain thing. So yes. there's all this suspense of them. Like it's a real giving away money. There's a ringing of the phone and oh, so they're going to say it. And they have a code word as well. They get extra money if they know the code word. I'm really into it. I love it. Yeah, I love it too. All right, back okay, to you. Back shitty. to Murder Town. Okay, so <laughs> he sees this jogger. He really likes the jogger and he decides – he is going to get the jogger. So he hide, he's 16 at this point as well, we need to remember. He hides in some bushes. He waits for the jogger to run past. And his plan was to somehow render the jogger unconscious. Um, so he's sitting in a bush waiting so he can get this jogger, knock him out and do some sexual stuff to him. Yeah. But the jogger didn't jog that day. Oh. 
Mm, so lucky. lucky. And his plan failed. We now move to his late teens and his early 20s. It's the summer of 1978 and Jeffrey Dahmer is 18 years old. He's graduated from school just three weeks ago. His parents have divorced and both have moved out of the family home, leaving him alone in it. He goes out, he picks up a hitchhiker named Stephen Hicks, who is trying to get to a rock concert in Lockwood Corners. Stephen is just four days away from his 19th birthday. Dharma lures him to the home saying they could drink together. They went to his house. They did that for a few hours. Stephen wanted to leave, but Jeffrey didn't want him to. So he bludgeoned him to death with a barbell. He then strangled him and stripped him naked and masturbated over his corpse. Uh. Mm. The next day, he dissected Stephen's body. Mm. Dissection features throughout this Uh story. Uh, He dissected his body in the basement and buried his remains in the backyard. Mm. Mm. Then a few weeks later, he went and dug them up. For what? Yeah, he pulled the flesh from the bones, dissolved it in acid, and he flushed it down the toilet. The bones, though, wouldn't go down the toilet, so he crushed them with a hammer and scattered them in the woods behind the house. So does that suggest some sort of remorse that he wants to make all the evidence go away? No. No, I think he that just makes doesn't it want to get caught. Yeah. Doesn't want to get caught. Makes okay. it worse. All right. Six weeks later, Jeffrey's dad came home with a new fiance, and uh, he decided that he was going to go and enroll in university. So after a little while, he realises, though, that he's failing all of his classes and his dad insists that he goes and joins the army. He trains as a medical specialist. Remember the weird dissection stuff? Oh, at yeah. uh, Fort Sam Houston in San Antonio, Texas. Eventually, he was sent away to West Germany where he was a combat medic. He was described as an average soldier. While he was in the army, two soldiers say they were raped by him. One of those said he was raped by Dharma over a 17-month period. Um, the other believed he was drugged and raped by Dharma in an armoured personnel carrier. By 1981, he was deemed unsuitable for military service. You know, <laughs> they're a bit slow on Just the uptake there, weren't unsuitable they? Unsuitable for us, sorry. Yeah. And he was discharged. But in his debrief with the army, they offered him a ticket to go anywhere in the country. Uh, he was too ashamed to go home and face his father, so he asked to be sent to Miami Beach, Florida. Once he got there, he found work in a local deli, rented a room in a motel, but most of his money was being spent on alcohol and he was soon kicked out of the motel because he couldn't pay the rent. So he was forced to go back home to Ohio. It doesn't go well when he gets home. His drinking is all over the shop. He's arrested for drunk and disorderly and his dad is trying to get him sober. So Mm. his dad tells him, you need to go and live with your grandmother. The reason that they thought that would be a good move for him was because his grandmother was, see, grandmother. (laughs) (laughs) But I think you went to say grandma and then you went grandmother. I don't know what my brain's doing. It's okay. Okay. Grandmother (laughs) was the only person he ever showed affection for. Oh, that's Mm. interesting. Not even his own mother. Yeah, no, just Mm. her. Mm. So eventually it all goes well. He finds a job, but he eventually lost that job and he's unemployed for years and he's just living off his grandma. Mm -hmm. Mm. And he's just hoping with a handout that she'll give him any money that she can afford to give him. He does eventually find another job which required him to work night shifts. One Day he was sitting in the library and he was passed a note by a man. The note said, uh, well, it was an offer of oral sex. 
Now, he didn't accept that offer, but the offer spurred those dark, creepy fantasies in him again. It kind That's of what I was wondering before, him. before he did one of his murders. Like, mm. what is it? It's like, is it like you and I go, hmm, a bit peckish right now. I could really go a block of lint chocolate. Don't do it. Yeah. Mm. But is are you saying like that's but how he would be that with murdering? Is. is it like a because it's almost like An a hungry, urge. thirsty kind of something? That it must be. Yeah, it must be. But we stop our like in the traffic. Sometimes I just want to smash into the back yeah, of the car totally. in front because it's going too slow. Yeah, but I don't do it. I sometimes want to throw my phone off a bridge when I'm walking over it. Do you? Yeah, I think I could just throw my phone in there. Conk. Yeah, that would be no I fun. I don't do it. Tube of toothpaste. Squirt it. Yeah, all the weird yeah. things just you just go, don't squirt be a dickhead. Mm. <laughs> you know, you have to tell yourself that. Yeah, don't be yeah. stupid. Yeah. Anyway, it spurs the dark feeling in him again and he starts hanging out at gay bars and bath houses. Only at this point, and I don't know the exact circumstances around this, but he steals a store mannequin, mannequin and he uses it Pardon? to perform sex acts on. Mannequin? Oh. Mannequin. They haven't got holes in them. What sex acts can you do on a mannequin? He's just like masturbating over it and like a doing weird. Because remember, he likes the, the, they don't the steel. I can mm. tell you one. Yeah. happened to a friend of mine. What? A don't mas- fucking do A masturbating do this. story. No. Don't. What? This is really weird. Because <laughs> <laughs> she was home. Uh, yeah. <laughs> She's just trying to remember if she listens or not. She won't care. Okay. Uh, Don't ID her. She was home. She was, uh, I think, sunbaking in the back garden. Yeah. And she went inside to grab something, drink of water or something, and her partner <gasps> had laid a pair of her leggings out on Shut the bed. Oh, up. And was masturbating <gasps> onto them. She was right there. She was in a bikini or something. She was like, what the hell? <laughs> That is what we just spoke about. It's unusual. I really like to masturbate over it. Don't do it. And that's yeah, fine. Don't I know do people it. like to masturbate. What? That's fine. What did that's she fine. Say? It's healthy, I'm sure. Well, I, don't, I can't remember how the conversation went, but it was kind of, it was like the you know, there's a number of strings. There's a, not strings. You know, it's like black mark, black mark, black mark. It was just like another mark against him. He had a lot Are they of together. No. Oh, okay. No, not anymore. Okay. No. Wow. No. She's listening. She'll be pissing herself laughing right now because I remember her ringing me going, guess what just happened? (laughs) That is is a red flag. That's a massive red flag. white. I remember telling you that. So he steals this this mannequin and he's performing sex acts on it, but his grandma finds it and makes him throw it out. So he has some consensual sexual partners after this, but – he has an issue with them, and the issue is that they keep moving during sex. So he starts drugging them, and he drugs them so that they won't move, and then he would rape them while they were uh. unconscious. Oh. Now, the bathhouses he was using to find these men eventually catch on to what's going on. There's obviously complaints, and they revoke his membership. So this is an issue for Jeffrey, who starts looking in the papers, and he's specifically looking at funeral notices and he's looking at funeral notices because in there he finds an 18 year old man who's recently died he looks for when the funeral is and then after the funeral he goes and tries to dig him up oh Mm. now i don't remember this i don't remember him being a grave robber but there you are so the issue was though that the the ground was too hard and he couldn't dig so he 
chucks that plan out. We go now to 1987 and Jeffrey is still living with his grandma when he meets a 25-year-old man from Michigan named Stephen Chuomi. Um, he convinces him to go to a hotel with him. He drugs him, has sex with him, and in the morning he wakes up and Stephen's chest is crushed um, and he has bruises all over him. And surprise, surprise, Jeffrey's fists are also bruised. Oh. And he's obviously dead. So he needs to get rid of the body. So he buys a large suitcase and he takes the body back to his grandma's house. Oh. oh. Yes. Um, about a week later, he said... Surely seven... grandma knew something was going on. I don't know Surely. what's going on with grandma. I don't know what her health status is, but... Right. The body is in there for a week. She's in not... In the suitcase no, in the house. He severed the head and arms and legs from the torso. Then he filleted the bones from the body. He disposes of all the body parts in the trash. Except for the head. What did he do with the head? He keeps it for two weeks. Does he put it in the freezer? He had it wrapped in a blanket and he boiled it in bleach. He did this because he wanted to keep the skull so he could use it to masturbate. But because he boiled it in bleach, it becomes too brittle and whatever he's doing to it, it begins to break. What does that even smell like? I don't know. Imagine just boiling plain But where is Grandma when he's in the kitchen putting Mm. a head into a pot? The smell of the bleach boiling would be horrendous. Put a head in there. Yes. Well, he has to get rid of the head because the head is breaking after he's doing sexual things to it. So he has to get rid of the head. After this, he finds a 14-year-old prostitute. He lures him to the house with the promise of $50 in exchange for taking some naked photos. Instead, he drugs the boy. He did the same thing he'd done before, dissected the body, boiled the head, keeps the skull as a sexual object. And I need to skim over these murders in exactly that fashion because there's so So many many of them. So don't think I'm not giving each victim the time they need. It's just there's so many. There's one that oh maybe you'll get to it. Okay. I seem to remember him like drilling into some. Oh, all right, sorry, sorry. Oh. On sorry, March twenty fourth, nineteen eighty eight, he meets a twenty two year old man. Yes, same thing: drugs, dissects, boils, skull, sex, disposes. Mm. Mm. On April twenty three, he lures another young man home, but after he drugged him, his grandmother called out and asked, "Like Jeffrey." Hi there. They're not from England, but (laughs) that's what I've gone with. Is that all she's done? Just called out? Yeah, Yeah. she just called out. And his grandma realises he's not alone. He freaks out, takes the man to hospital and leaves him there. Mm -hmm. In September, it's done with him and his grandma. She asks him to leave because she's sick of him bringing young men home and the foul smells that come with him living in her house. God, she's, yes. He goes and finds a one-bedroom apartment and he moves out. The next day, he's arrested for drugging and fondling a 13-year-old boy who he'd lured to his home. He went to court and was convicted, but his sentencing was delayed. And in the meantime, he moves back in with Grandma. Mm -hmm. So she's thinking she's got rid of her bloody weird grandson, but he's back. Um, She knows what's going on. Oh, she has to know something. It's during this time he kills his fifth victim. That man was a 24-year-old aspiring model named Anthony Sears, who he met in a gay bar. Uh, Dharma claims he wasn't looking to kill anyone that night, but Anthony started talking to him, so he got him back to his grandma's house where he drugged and killed him. This time, this is there's so much murdering activity going on in the house, yeah. right? So this time he puts Anthony's body in the bath and he decides that this is the first 
dead body that he's really into. Oh. He's really attracted to Anthony. Right. Yeah, he's getting his rocks off on Anthony. So he decides he's going to keep his body parts. So he keeps his head and his genitals, which he preserved. He stored them in his work locker. And when he moved to a new house the following year, he took them with him. Mm. Mm. So he's just getting around with Anthony's head and penis. This is the worst story ever. It could be the ever. worst story I've ever told on this I podcast. I can't believe it's coming out of your mouth. I know. It's so bad. So we go now to 1990. He's moved out of his grandma's house and he's taken Anthony's now mummified head and penis with him. Within one week of moving into his new apartment, he kills his sixth victim. That is Raymond Smith. He was a male prostitute. Again, he'd lured him back to the apartment, knocked him out with sleeping pills and strangled him to death. The next day, he went and bought a Polaroid camera and took several pictures of his body in suggestive positions. He then dismembered him in the bathroom, cut off, cut off, see, cut, mm-hmm. cut, cut off, cut off his arms and legs, and boiled them. I don't know what's going on with me. Cut off his arms and legs and boiled them um, with this alkaline detergent. It's called like silex or something. He then rinsed the bones in the sink. He boiled the head and kept the skull, which he spray painted. I don't know why he was spray painting skulls, but he was spray painting skulls and he kept that skull with Anthony's skull. Oh. Mm. A week after this, he you was. I'm not even noticing. I'm just like, no. so. Ugh. It's so. Ugh. I'm murdering my words. He's murdering people. Okay. A week after this, he lures a young man back to his apartment again, um, but this time he accidentally drank the drugged drink. Oh, the old switcheroo. Yes, and he passes out. When he wakes up, this young man has robbed him. Oh, that's the best. He doesn't tell police. Of his penis? No. No, he doesn't tell police because he's got, like, heads in the cupboard. Yeah. But he tells his parole officer and he doesn't really make it out to be a big deal. Uh, June 1990, another young man is lured back to his apartment, Edward Smith. Uh, He kills him, he places his entire skeleton in the freezer, hoping it would get rid of moisture because we've heard he's had the problem with the bleaching, making it brittle. Mm -hmm. He's trying to find other ways to keep bodies. So he puts him in the freezer, hoping it would get rid of the moisture. A few months later, he then dismembers, he takes the skull out and he puts it in the oven to dry it out Mm. and it explodes. Oh. Yeah. He's really mad about this um, and he's he's mad about it because he realises that he can't keep any of these body parts because he's fucked it. <laughs> so he's ruined it. So God. he has to get rid of the body. He's annoyed about it. Well, the skeleton, he's annoyed. Less than three months later, he strikes again, this time a 22-year-old man. He drugs him. He doesn't have as many sleeping pills for this one, so... I'm not just blaming Nana at this point. I'm blaming the neighbours as well. Oh, Surely they can I smell know. something. Yeah. So he doesn't have as many sleeping pills. And aren't they seeing all these men going in and not coming out? out. Um, So he has to stab him to kill him. This time he cut off his biceps and other parts of flesh and kept them in the fridge. What a weird bit to cut off. Yeah. Why? Why the biceps? Because he wanted to eat it. (gasps) We've discussed this before. And that would be quite a good cut. It's sort of... Yeah. Like a fillet, is yeah, it? Yeah, thighs. Mm. He boiled down the body parts again, uh, kept the head, painted it. 
the re skulls. I actually Where feel is it putting sick the now. stuff. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm normally up. I know. I look, actually got, feel a bit sick. Yeah, it's full on. Yeah. Three weeks later, he invites another young man into his house, but after he drugs that man, he decides he's not attracted to him, but oh. he's too scared to just let him wake up, so he kills him and just gets rid of the body. That man's name was David Thomas. After this, Dharma starts to get depressed. He's telling his probation officer that he feels like he has all this anxiety, he's unwell, and he doesn't kill anyone for five months. In that time, he's trying to kill people, mm. but he just can't lure them back to his house. So it's just, it's not working. In February of 1991, he finds a 17-year-old man named Curtis Strouter at a bus stop. He lures him to his house with the promise of money in exchange for posing nude. He's drugged and strangled. This time he kept his skull, hands and genitals. Hands? Hands. Hmm. Oh, oh, don't. Don't. <laughs> and and for the listeners at home, Chanel <laughs> is... Um, I did a wanking motion. She's doing the wanking yeah. motion with hands. Just so you know, that's what the only thing I can Kirsten think of. Kirsten and I were laughing at mm. then. Why would you keep hands? You'd, you, he'd be like touching himself with them. Yeah. Why did yuck. your brain go straight to that? I thought about it when I wrote it. Mm. That has to be what it is. He's yes. touching himself with the hands. Anyway. No need to underline it. Sorry, Quill. Mm, we got it. Got yep. it. Good. Less than eight weeks later, he finds a 19-year-old man called Errol Lindsay. He drugs him in the apartment and drills a hole in his skull. I'm also blaming the chemist now. Where is he getting all these drugs from? Mm. He pours in hydraulic acid, hoping it will keep him yes, alive. Yes, yes, But in a submissive state. Oh. That's what I'm hearing. Errol wakes up. Oh. Asked what time it was mm-hmm. and said he had a headache. Dharma strangled him to death and decapitated him. He tried to keep his skull, but it became too brittle and he had to get rid of it. Um, now, in 1991, mm-hmm. his fellow residents start to complain. Right. Finally. They've been mm. watching telly up to that point. Yes, they're mm. complaining about the smell yeah. coming from apartment 213. Mm-hmm. They also said there were strange noises, which included loud thuds and the occasional sound of a chainsaw. (laughs) Most houses have a chainsaw going in them, so I can't see what their fuss was about. This is me with my neighbour. Like when the cops knock on my door and they're going to say, I'm that stupid idiot. They're going to say, yeah, well, sometimes I hear chainsawing late at night. Do you smell bleach? No. No, they don't. We're not in an apartment. Okay, so... Uh, building management question him and he makes up an excuse, which I actually thought was quite a good excuse. He says that his fridge is constantly breaking down and all the food is spoiling and he's going to fix it. He just, he's trying to get around. Not a bad wow. cover up. Yeah. Not a bad cover up. Yeah. So they, the smells keep happening and they question him again. And then he says his tropical fish died and he's saying he's going to sort it. He's very apologetic. He's going to sort it out. In May 1991, he comes across a 14-year-old boy who happens to be the brother of a boy he previously molested back right back at the start. He persuades him to come back to his apartment where he takes semi-nude photos of him and drugs him, performs oral sex on him before drilling a hole in his skull and injecting him with hydraulic acid. After this, though the boy's out, he leaves the boy in the apartment and he goes to buy some alcohol and go drinking. When he returns to the apartment, the boy is sitting outside. This is the one I remember, yep. In the nude, Mm. talking with three women. Yep. 
As three women are all worried about the boy and Dharma rushes over and tries to convince them that he's actually 19 years old and this is his lover and they've had a fight. They told him to back off and they say they've called 911. Mm. Police turn up. Dharma tells them the same story. When one of the women tries to alert police to the fact that this boy is bleeding from his anus, Mm -hmm. the officer tells her to shut the hell up and stay out of what is obviously a domestic matter. They then walk the boy back up to Dharma's apartment Mm. where he shows them the Polaroids of the the semi-nude photos to say, look, we're lovers, Mm. this is what we do. And they leave the boy there with Dharma. Mm. He kills him and keeps his skull. He goes on to kill another three men, and the details are all the same. Drugging, boiling, keeping skulls, keeping body parts. Mm. By this time, he's taking so much time off work to dissect and kill people, he gets fired, and he's having sex with all the dead bodies at this point. (sighs) Yeah. It all changed, though, on July 22, 1991. He lures a 32-year-old man called Tracy Edwards to his home to take nude photos. But when Tracy walks into the home, he noticed a foul smell and he sees the hydraulic acid. Now, Dharma tries to um, kind of brush it off and says he uses the acid to clean bricks. Do you mean hydrochloric acid? Hydrochloric acid, sorry. What was I saying? What hydraulic. Did you say just hydraulic, sorry. Yeah. Hydrochloric. 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 Yeah. Um, He says he uses it to clean bricks, but this guy, he's got his wits about him. He's kind of like, this is, there's some weird shit going on. So Dharma, out of nowhere, puts one handcuff on Tracy Edwards Mm. and says he wants to take nude photos of him. So they go into the room, and in the room, Dharma had the TV on and the exorcist was playing. And also in the room is this massive drum, and it had a bad smell coming from it and so he's like tracy's freaking out he knows he has to get out of there so he just keeps talking to dharma doesn't you know just like reminding him they're friends and they're having a great time and he convinces him that they should hang out in the lounge room Mm -hmm. and dharma wants to put the second handcuff on him but tracy's like no, nah, I'm just not going to let that happen. Mm-hmm. So in the first moment that Dharma had a lapse in concentration, Tracy punches him in the face mm. and runs. He goes down the street. He finds two police officers and he tells them about this freak that he's just come across. Mm-hmm. They try to undo the handcuff, but the key that their key won't work. Yeah. So they say, we're going to have to take you back to the apartment to undo the key. So they walk in. The cops notice the smell. Mm. And they say, you know, we need the key for this, blah, blah, and Tracy's losing his mind. And Dharma says, yep, the key's in the bedroom. I'll go and get it. And he tries to rush ahead of the cops and the cops tell him to back off. And they say, you stay here. We're going to go get the key. So this one cop goes in to get the key from the bedside table and he notices on the bedside table there's all these Polaroids of men Mm. and he realises that some of the men are dead in the Mm. photos and in the photos they're at different stages of being dissected. So he picks up all the photos. He goes outside to the lounge room. He shows his partner um, and he says, you know, take a look at these. And they realise that all of this, all of the photos were inside the apartment. Mm. So they know that all they call for backup. They, um, as soon as Dharma realises he's been caught, he tries to fight them, but they arrest him. They open his fridge. There's a bloody head in there. It's just weird shit. And at this point, he's yelling at the officers saying, I should be dead for what I've done. 
I remember the story breaking. It was just, no, surely. House of Horrors, full on. When they went through the apartment, they found the following items. Four heads in the kitchen, seven skulls, some of them painted in his bedroom, two human hearts, an entire torso plus a bag of human organs, two entire skeletons, a pair of hands, two severed um, penises, a scalp, and that massive drum that was in the bedroom had three torsos in it. There were 74 Polaroid photos in total. The coroner said it was like dismantling a museum rather than a crime scene. Dharma was interviewed for 60 hours. He waived his right to a lawyer. He admitted to 16 murders all up and he told police everything, how he killed them, what organs he took. He was charged with 15 counts of murder and a jury found him to be sane and guilty, Mm. so not insane. Mm. Um, He received life and had to be placed in solitary confinement because everyone knew what he'd done. Mm. We've got some audio. It's from a 1993 interview he did with Inside Edition. It's had 5 million views on YouTube. I had uh, these obsessive uh, desires and and, uh, thoughts wanting to control them, to... uh, I don't know how to put it, uh, possess them permanently. And that's why you killed them. Right, right. Not because I was angry with them, not because I hated them, but because I wanted to keep them with me. And uh, as my obsession grew, uh, I was saving body parts such as uh, skulls. He wasn't mad at them or angry at them. Just wanted to keep them forever. Not their fault. Ever. It's different when you marry someone that's mm. marrying them, promising yes. yourself to them, not taking their skull out of their head. On November 28, 1994, whilst in jail, Dharma was bludgeoned to death in a gym by another inmate who was also serving a life sentence. Ha, ha. Yeah. Mm. That's, I swear that's actually making my stomach And I had to flip. skim over details for that. Yeah. Because there were just pages in this book that I was using that were all about every single victim and what he did. And it was just too much. It is too much. Mm. I, I just remember the story breaking about the boy or yeah. when it was revealed that the boy had, because he'd been drilled in the head and he was wandering yeah. outside confused and, oh, God. Full on. That's I told, bad. I told you. That's bad, Chanel. What are you doing? Sorry, I told you it was a full on story. God almighty. Ugh. Mine's not much better. Oh, <laughs> great. Dead bodies. <laughs> well, I also have body parts. Okay. But not as bad as yours. Like nothing is ever going to be as bad as Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh, And also mine's going back, back in history. And it's in Australia, in Sydney, actually, in Mm -hmm. 1866. It was Saturday, 15th of September. And a little boy, 11-year-old James Kirkpatrick, was taking his dog for a walk on Sussex Street. He was headed towards Sydney Harbour. And the land that he was walking across had a lot of factories and mills on it. There was some empty land and then the wharves. So the mill and factory workers used to use that vacant land to dump stuff, you know, industrial scraps and household rubbish and stuff. And then they would have just set it all on fire because you used to be allowed to do that, just burn stuff all the time. Yeah, you you were allowed to burn shit all the time. But not now. Not now. We're all woke and Mm -hmm. planety and um, and climatey and stuff, aren't we? 
So little James got close to the rubbish heap and his dog started to bark and scratch. It was very excited. Mm -hmm. And James thought that the dog had found a dead rat. So he crouched down to take a closer look. And there on the burning rubbish pile was... Worse, the severed head of a dark-haired oh. woman. Shit, we've really gone all severed heads severed this heads. episode. And strange detail, but sickening with the tongue sticking out. Uh. Does, why does that make it so much worse? It's horror. <laughs> <laughs> Chanel's being a severed head with a tongue out. Uh, it was a human skull. There were two joints of the vertebrae attached and a portion of human hair. Just one portion, please. I'm watching my way. I wish people that are listening to this just stuck their tongue out. Yeah, Yeah. I bet they did. So James, good boy, ran home to tell his dad who reported it to the police. And when the police got there, not far from the head, they found the torso. There were Mm. no arms. Torso was decomposing and partly burned, but they couldn't find the limbs anywhere. So those parts of the remains were sent to something called the Dead House at the Benevolent Asylum where the medical officer, Dr Arthur Renwick, examined them and he said that the woman had been dead for two to three weeks. So who was the woman and where was the rest of her body? So they held an inquest. Now in those days they used to hold inquests in the pub. So it was held in a pub and for an inquest in those days to be legally valid, the body had to be present. What? So Dr. Renwick showed the jury the skull and lower jaw. And more of this could happen these days. Don't you think? The jury would love that. Yeah. But what would it bring? Here's a skull. Yes. Yeah. I present to you the evidence of a murder. Here's a skull. Please look at it. Hand it around. Don't take any teeth. Well, the, and the, all the DNA. There's no thought of DNA. Everyone's touching Everyone's and having a look. Everyone's Yep. Uh, so the doctor said that the remains belonged to a middle-aged woman of large bones and build, punch him if he described me like that, mm. with a long nose and dark hair. And he said that the injuries to the head would have caused immediate death. He said mm. the body had been deprived of its limbs. That's it. You are not having any limbs <laughs> You are depriving me of all my limbs. You may not have them. Uh, I'm tired and deprived. <laughs> deprived of his limbs by someone who knew a thing or two about anatomy. Uh-huh. Someone who chopped the body up knew what they were doing. Okay. It had been done with a bit of skill, especially in the way that the neck had been severed. So the jury, when they obviously because they're in the pub, they're having a schnitty and chips while this yeah, is going absolutely. on. So once they'd finished that and their pint of beer. Who's got the skull? They found. <laughs> well, they drunk too because they're in a pub. Right, guys. Erickson. I reckon it's guilty. I'm going to tell you something. I love you all. Oh, yeah. Hiccups. And, and guilty as. <laughs> Who's got the skull? So the jury found that a murder had taken place by person, or person or persons unknown and the government offered a reward to try and get some more information out of people. Mm-hmm. So it was about a month later, third week of October, a young shoemaker by the name of David Fitzpatrick, and I bet that's not a profession many people have these days, shoemaker. Shoemaker. Uh, I've got a good shoeman. That repairs? Mm. Mm. He's really full on about it too. You're the quietest um, chewing gum chewer I've ever heard in my life. You're doing it, but you're doing it really discreetly. Yeah, you can't tell. It's good because we'll get that feedback about wet noises, won't we? Mm. (laughs) Um, David Fitzpatrick, the shoemaker, went to the police with a rather unusual story. 
He said that late one night, a few weeks earlier, in the Sussex Street region, which is where the head and torso were found, mm-hmm. he had been asked to help carry, uh, asked by a strange man to help carry a very heavy iron box that he said stank to high heaven. Red flag. Mm. Who asked him? <laughs> a man. Um, the box, so he must have helped him because they took the box to the backyard of the Walter Scott Inn, which was at the corner of Sussex and Bathurst Streets. I do understand how you could get roped into helping this sh- with this shit. Mm. Oi, lad, give me a hand with this box here, will you? If someone asked me to help them with a box, I'd pro- I'm would i really keen to help all the time. Yeah. Yes, but then but when you felt it was very heavy and stacked to high heaven, you'd go, What? Uh, like I'm even doing box? it in my garden at the moment. So over near the fish pond, there's a smell. There's something to And even Harvey was standing over there the other day and sniffing, sniffing. Mm-hmm. Something's there. And I said to my husband, have you had one of your goldfish die? Have you just thrown it into the bushes? Because it stinks. And he <laughs> denies that. So there's something in there dead. Yeah. It's the level of suspicion. <laughs> <laughs> Very suspicious in my garden. So the police went to that particular pub, the Walter Scott Inn, and... And in the cellar they found two decomposing legs, two arms, and a partridge in a pear tree. (laughs) (laughs) Two decomposing legs, two arms, are the human body bar. (laughs) I'm upset now that I didn't sing my list. All in all, they found some 19 or 20 pieces of human remains. That was pretty good. That was really good. (laughs) Thank you. There was also some bedding. I was laughing. I couldn't sing properly. I I can sing better than that. It's like in Step Brothers when he says, I can't. I've had a sore throat for a week and a half. I can't. (laughs) Be my best. I'm usually better than the. I'm um, terrible, and I don't care. I sing really well in the car, but I won't do it in public. My my throat gets all tight when I'm like when I sing, and Nicholas is always like, "Please stop!" And I don't. (laughs) Uh, there was also some bedding, household utensils, mm-hmm. a part of a tent or a tarp or something, two pieces of calico, the body of a female's dress, an axe, and a butcher's steel. Dr. Renwick was called. The body of a female's dress. Well, the the, the, sec- the body part. section part of it by the sound yeah, of it. Okay. Uh, Dr. Renwick was called to examine all of that and he noted the expertise with which the limbs had been mm. dissected. So they went and exhumed the head and the torso that they found earlier. Sure. And matched everything up, same body. Mm. The dead woman was eventually identified as Annie Scott. So they they identified her just by the shape of her nose, a mole on her right arm, and the dark remains of her hair and her estimated height once they'd sort of pieced the corpse together. It's not much to go on, is it? No. Um, So Annie's husband, William Scott, was taken in for questioning. He said that they had had a fight early in September. Remember, it was September, the body, pa- mm-hmm. the, the head was first round. Um, he said they'd had a fight and she'd left. He had no idea where she was or why she hadn't taken any of her belongings with her. Why do they always say that? <laughs> it's stupid, isn't we, it? We had a fight and she left. Oh, I don't know what happened after that. Yeah, I don't know. I went to work. Um, I don't know anything. Guess what he did for a job? Garbo? Nah, he was butcher. He was. Well done. Kirsten, no points for you. Yeah. Should have gone with the medical profession. Yeah, medical profession. It's okay. So he panicked. Freaked out. (laughs) (laughs) He was charged with her murder. 
At his trial, the prosecution said that he, uh, Scott knew how to dissect flesh and he was identified by the man who said that he had been asked to carry the box. Mm-hmm. Another man came forward and he also said that Scott had asked him to help carry the heavy, smelly iron box late one night. So the box was found at his lodgings and there were blood stains. They were identified by Dr Renwick. Um, at the Sussex Street house where this Scott guy had been living with Annie, the woman whose body it is. Scott had also taken several items of clothing covered in blood to be laundered by different women around the city. Now, if I knew there were women around the city who would do washing, I would be making use of them myself. But apparently it wasn't unusual because he was a butcher, not unusual for him to have blood on his clothes. Right. To be So the women didn't think a whole lot of sure. it. But his boss was called in to give evidence and he said, no, not that much blood. All the time, Scott protesting, I'm innocent, I'm innocent. His version of events was he downplayed the relationship he had with this Annie Scott. He said, I was living with a woman in Sussex Street. We quarrelled and she went away. And he said, I don't know anyone that's acquainted with her. I don't know where she came from. I never asked her any such question. I I first saw her, I just did it too. I first saw her in Pitt Street near McCarroll's Butcher's Shop. I got into conversation with her and we took a walk together around the race course. I saw her again shortly afterwards and I said to her, I've got a place in Sussex Street. You better come and stay with me. She did so. I did not intend to stay with her long, as I expected my wife up from Melbourne. Mm. Now, at another point, he admitted that he had given Annie a ring and thought that that meant that they were married. So he's obviously as dumb as dog okay, shit. Right. In actual fact... We're married now. I gave you a ring. No, that's we're not. right, love. Yeah. She was in, so Annie was actually in her 30s and they had been married four years earlier in Brisbane. And yet here he was going, I don't know who she was. I just went for a walk with her. <sighs> Liar. Um, so he did admit getting into an argument with Annie at their front door, but mm. he says he went around the corner to the pub in George Street and drank some brandy, but he wasn't drunk. Of course not. When he came back, she was leaving. That was around 7 o'clock in the evening. And he said, I've never seen her since. I don't know where she is now. I have never made any inquiries about her. Oh. So your wife... Don't know where she you. is. I didn't mm. follow it up. No. <laughs> Uh, he then gave a description of her that was all wrong, uh, trying to pretend that he didn't know who she was. He said, yeah. I always called her Annie. Um, and then he added, and this is uh, so shitty, he said, I quarrelled with her because she was dirty. Oh. But what had actually happened was it turned out that he had just received a letter from his wife in Melbourne by the mm. name of Emma. And she had said that she was coming to visit. Mm. So this idiot had married two women, one in Brisbane and brought her to Sydney, and now he heard that his one from Melbourne was coming up to see him, so he wanted to get rid of the other one. So his defence lawyer argued that the evidence was all circumstantial, but Scott was found guilty by the jury and he was sentenced to hang. And when they put him into a jail cell, he said, I don't like being there alone. I should like to have a man with me if you can spare one. Uh, what? <laughs> I know, you dickhead. Uh, William, <laughs> William Scott was executed at Darlinghurst Jail on the 18th of March, 1867, for the willful murder of his wife, Annie Scott. I'd like to see if I could get away with murder, though. There should be like a company where you can murder someone, but not actually murder someone, mm. and then you see if you get away with it. I just make a suggestion that you don't do that. Oh. <laughs> I don't, no, I don't want to, want to actually someone. murder someone, but I'd be interested to see if I could get away with it. Mm. 
yeah. There's no one I want to murder. I, I don't think you can do there. it. I don't yeah. think you can like dress rehearse it or practice it because even that, that in would itself is pretty bad. Me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm doing payback. <laughs> okay, this is from Willow. She says she starts with hashtag nice things, hashtag binge listening, hashtag come to Brisbane. Oh, uh, if we only could. We're all got such busy work clients. I know. I listen to you both when I'm driving between clients and while I'm laying in bed, sitting in the spa, disassociating in the car. I play you through the blue toe. Blue. Oh, no. Blue toe. <laughs> What's that, Janelle? Play you through What's the wrong blue with me? Toe. I don't know. Blue toe. It's like back's good, but now, I don't know. <laughs> my the mouth head is, not is my mouth. Do Sometimes you it happens. when she massages my mouth. No, mm. got a question. What? Are you premenstrual or do you have your period? I think I'm about to get it. Yep. Used What's to your find, theory? I don't know. Well, no, because like, I used to read the news. Yeah. And whenever I had, it was one of the other girls said it to me one day. She said, whenever I've got my period, I cannot read the news. So. Do the men listening? No, men don't care these they days. Men have wives and And there's something and in it. You wait, you'll notice it now. I think you I'm do, due you get... any, like maybe today. What, right now? Maybe. <laughs> I'll go to the bathroom after I read me? this. Yeah. Oh, okay. that was more than I was expecting. I'm going to read again. <laughs> okay. Don't yep. bother cutting it out. I'm no. just going to try and do it properly like a proper person who works in media. Okay. Yep. I listen to you both when I'm driving between clients and while I'm laying in bed sitting in the spa, disassociating. In the car, I play you through the Bluetooth and I know other people can hear you Oh, while she's sitting at lights. Oh, I do that sometimes, mm. yeah. And she loves it. Yeah. One day, someone will grab my attention and ask me who you are. So I guess I'm asking, where's the merch? Oh, we haven't done it. Car stickers, question mark. Nice things is probably more family friendly than dead bodies. Love it either way. Yeah, I reckon mm. we need to go with nice things, nice things. Yeah. Should we trademark it? Can you do that? I don't I know. I think how so. You do that. Also, you guys make the perfect pair. Never heard a lip smacking noise. <laughs> Fuck the haters. Yep, yes. and even Chanel read that with chewing gum in her mouth. That's how much wet Ooh, mouth sounds are just so cool on this yep. podcast. I did. We need merch. We do need merch. More than my single embroidered top that I need. <laughs> <laughs> we need you to make more. That's what, that's what we we're need saying. to do it like that movie where they shared the pair of pants around. Should I be sharing I that? I need my around to sort it. I'll, okay. I don't know how to do it. Someone I'll has get to do my it for us. To sort it. Mm. Someone, 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 yeah. someone. Can someone do it? Kirsten, mm. normally, no, yeah, Kirsten. I feel like we need, a, we, need, we need a show of interest. Yeah, you know, I think raise of would, hands. I think people would yeah, like, let's just do, let's just make five to start with. Because <laughs> <laughs> what if no one wants them? And that way, there's like three of us. And then, yeah, then there's only two left. Two. Yeah. 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 Okay. And we are we give, selling them or giving them away? Well, I think. I don't know. How generous are we? We could give them as prizes if someone gave us their best ever dead body. Well, but then I reckon people would start to actually send body parts mm. to us in order but to I get a T-shirt. But I think we could sell them to cover the cost of making them. Yes, yes. but we wouldn't. So we wouldn't make money out of it. No, we would make money out of them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that bears thinking about. Okay. okay. Here comes Tony. Dead Bodies is created by D.D. Dunleavy and Chanel Vella and produced by Kirsten Lim Howe. Contact us at deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com.